Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to identify three separate and distinct entities. Verse number 32 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, that would not be you or me. That's a distinct national called out people by God, the Jews, descendants of Abraham, not you, not me. That's group number one. Then it says, nor to the Gentiles. Now, before you were saved, that identifies who you are and who I was, not a Jew, a Gentile. And then there's a third group, the Bible says, nor to the church of God. Now, whose church is it? God's church. And when you are a part of God's church, now you're distinctively not a Jew and distinctively not a Gentile anymore. You are part of a third group called the Church of God. Does that make sense? Amen. You know how the first Gentile got life? God breathed life into Adam. And God's breath of life birthed the human race. Gentile. And you know what it says in Ezekiel, that nation that's, that's dead now, but it's going to come to life. God's going to restore and redeem that national people. That valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, they're, they're going to be gathered. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to breathe life into that nation. And they're going to have life. You know where the life comes from? God. The breath of God. Now go to John 20. Go to John 20. In order to have a New Testament church that has life, it has to come from God. It's the church of God. And it doesn't have life until God breathes life into it. So you can have people that might gather together, but it's not, if it's not God's church, it doesn't have any life. <clears throat> Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus lived a sinless life. He went to the cross, he died on the cross. He was buried for three days and three nights, and then he rose again, according to the scriptures. And everything was accomplished to have a New Testament church that needed to be accomplished. So here's Jesus. After he rose from the dead, but is yet to ascend to the Father. And he says in verse number 20, or verse number 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. 
be a good thing to say if you're afraid. It probably freaked him out more. There he is. <laughs> when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I, even so send I you. Here is the verse I want you to get a hold of tonight. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye, what? The Holy Ghost. The church was birthed by the breath of God after everything that needed to be accomplished, the death of the testator, all that, rose again, all that, and now they get something out of God's own breath. What is it? The Holy Ghost. If we were all sitting in this building that has a steeple and that has pews and has a pulpit, and has a piano, and has prayer benches, and has a Bible. That's not the church. It's his body, and in order to be part of his body, you have to have something from God. We touched on it this morning. What is that something? You've got to have the Holy Spirit. And when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive from him the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit indwells in you. Un unless you have people that come together that have that indwelt Holy Spirit, there's no church. It doesn't exist. It's dead people sitting. It doesn't matter if there's a beautiful steeple on the building. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. So when someone trusts Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit. They are baptized into the body of Christ. And we're no longer a Jew. We're no longer a Gentile. We're part of the church of God. Amen. We've got to th get things accomplished legally as we seek to live in this fallen world. So typically, here's how it goes. Someone's going to, if they're going to start a church, typically this is what they'll do. It's called, they'll charter a church. And all that means is they go and open a bank account. And then they register with the state. I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm just saying it's what you do. And so, you know, we have a bank account and we, you know, you apply for tax exemption and all that. So the state recognizes you as nonprofit because if you don't do that, the only thing you can do is accept cash. Anybody gives you a check, got to give it back because you don't have a bank account and you can't do business in this world. And then they create legal documents. And those legal documents, they're not the word of God. And then they say, well, we started a church. And these men and these women, they'll get together and they'll put a board together. And that board of directors will be in control. The word of God won't be in control. The board of directors will be in control. And they will either elect or they will non-elect preachers. Now, I was at a church years back in New Jersey, and that's how they ran it. 
They like the preacher, they vote him in. They don't like the preacher, they vote him out. I talk to the preacher, why does this happen? Why can't you stop? Because if I do, they'll vote me out. But it, it, I mean, that's what it is. Can it work? Yes. If they go by the word of God, not by the documents that they made. What should be controlling every aspect of church life? Do you have the Holy Spirit? That. Holy Spirit should control your individual life, your family life, and your church life. Does that make sense? Acts 17. How do you find a church? Acts 17. Verse number 11, Acts 17, 11. Here's what the Bible clearly says. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. These are the Bereans. How were they more noble? Watch what it says. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. How do you know you're in a good New Testament local church? Because when you walk into the building that's not the church, and you sit in the pews that is not the church, and you look at the beautiful piano and and uh, uh, and, and, and the altar and the prayer benches and the pulpit and all that, that all, it's all beautiful. It's not the church. You have to see if the word is being opened and taught. And if it's not, leave. And I would say that if that's happening here, leave. For your benefit, not for mine. Why? You have got to be able to search the scriptures. If I give you something or someone's up here teaching and they give you something, you've got to be able to search it out and get your eyeballs on it. And that they receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily. Why? Whether those things were so. What do I want you to be? What do I want to be? Like the Bereans. We're constantly searching the scriptures. Because that's going to be the controlling authority. What does the word of God say? Let's go with that. If I know more about homeschooling than the Bible, then there's a problem. If I know more about fishing than I do about evangelism, that's a problem. What do we want to know? What the scriptures say. Go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. I know we know these verses. Watch what it says again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Young people. Do you really like instruction and correction and reproof? And I got to admit to you, I'm with you. I don't like being corrected. But nonetheless, 
if we are going to be corrected, how is it going to occur scripturally? We got to get in the word. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If you want to see if somebody's qualified and thoroughly furnished, are they in the book? This is our final authority. Not a set of bylaws. You know what those bylaws allow us to do? Carnal things in a carnal world. Legal things in a world that's ruled by legalities. Okay? You get a guy that comes in here and he's drunk, how do you get him to leave? Well, you need private property rights. I mean, what are you going to do? Say, well, the Bible says, <laughs> he don't care. Watch what it says in 2 Timothy 4. Look at verse number 5. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministries. You've got to make it full proof. And you've got to fully persuade people how? By the scriptures. Because most stuff, it's half proof. It's a quarter proof. We're trying to make this thing as full proof as we can. That's a church. And sadly today, most churches, if you were to read their statement of faith or their or their constitution, it would say in in so many words, the church is a democracy, which it isn't, that is to be run by the will of the people, which is a horrible idea. Read Numbers 13. Ten spies did the wrong thing. Joshua and Caleb had it right. <laughs> what happened there? They got outruled. And you know what? God's will for them was to do go in and take the land. You know what their will was? We don't want to, God. We're afraid, and here's why. And you know what God allowed them? God allowed them their will. But it wasn't God's will for them to disobey what God asked them to do, but He gave them their will. Okay, go ahead. Don't go in. Now, they suffered a consequence for it. What am I saying? When you read the church as a democracy to be run by the will of the people, that is so far out in left field, you'll get yourself in more trouble than you want to be in. The church, who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. What did he breathe into his people? The Holy Spirit. It must be Holy Spirit-led. Now, do you know why they run the church like that? Because they're threatened by a preacher like me that wants to go by the word of God. And I'm really not that threatening. 
I tell you what the Bible says, but I can't make you do what the Bible says. God's Holy Spirit will speak to your heart as you're reading your own Bible. But the Holy Spirit is not going to just throw you out on the street corner and make you start doing public ministry. It makes sense? So what do we have in our church? Well, we have the head, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit controls it. A pastor leads it. But what about pastoral authority? I don't have any authority. <laughs> All I can tell you is what the word of God says, and it's up to you to be you want to obey it or not obey it. It's my job to keep some order. It's my job to teach the word of God. It's my job to look out for the flock. Sure. So what do we get to do? Well, let's pick up where we left off and get 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 7. We were talking about what privileges we have as members of a local body. And we left off at giving. As a, as a member of a local church, you are given an allowance to give. Now, we don't pass an offering plate around here. And it's not sinful if you do and, and, and sinful if, if you don't. What would be sinful is, what would be against God's will, is if we don't make a way for people to give. God set up his church. And he wants his people to give. And so local New Testament churches have to make that way. There needs to be a way for God's people to give to God's work. And so it says in verse number seven, every man according as the pastor figured based on looking at their tax returns for the year. What are you talking about? Well, you go to some churches and you figure out what I'm talking about. Whose purpose is it? What have you purposed in your heart to give to God? Okay. Then the Bible says, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. You know how people leave a church? No, it's not that they walk out and never come back. No, that's not how they, that's not really how they leave. They stop first being cheerful about giving. They used to be excited. Then the cheerfulness goes away and then it's begrudging. And then the begrudgingly wears out and then they just stop giving. And then they leave. That's typically the pattern. Can you give in other ways? Yes, you can. Should you give in other ways? Yes, you should. <laughs> give of your time. You should give of your fellowship. You should give of your prayer life. You should give of your 
uh, efforts in, in, in evangelism and ministering to the saints and, and help whatever your gift is. All those gifts that we, we know about, the Holy Spirit gives all those ways to give to the body. But God does want us to give of our finances. And in Acts 1, it talks about we are being witnesses unto him. I'll tell you, it'd be an awful thing if the world sees that we spend all our finances on our hobbies. And not on the work of God's church. Something to think about, for sure. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. show you something. First Corinthians 16, look at verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. When? Well, there's a pattern here that's laid out, and you can give any day of the week, second day, third day, fourth day, it don't matter. But it says here, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So you know what God wants to do? He wants us to come to church the first day of the week. Yes, you can go any day. We have a midweek too. But the pattern, and we're just following this pattern as a form of tradition. As long as the tradition doesn't go against the word of God, it's okay to have a tradition. Do some of you have some family traditions? Yeah. Did some of you have some family traditions that went against God's word? Yeah, and you got rid of them. What did you do? You got some other family. There's nothing wrong with that. All families have them. That's a good thing. So there was a met on the first day of the week, and they came with money. What does God want us to do? He wants us to gather today together, and as a member of a local body, we get to give. Praise the Lord. Look at the end of the look at the end of that chapter, First Corinthians sixteen. I thought you'd like this. It says, "I beseech you, brethren." You know, the house of Stephanus, and that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You know what that's the giving of? When you minister to people, that's the giving of your time. It takes time to minister to people. Then it says, watch this, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I thought you'd like this verse, verse 17. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus. <laughs> I hope you're glad of my coming. <laughs> I'm trying to labor and I'm trying to minister. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. So I don't know much about Fortunatus, but I know that when he came, he was welcome. Why? Because there was some stuff that was lacking. And apparently, Stephanus and Fortunatus and uh, Achaicus, they were able to help supply. Now, that's a blessing. What is that? That's people coming into a work and giving. And, what, and whatever it is they gave, whatever they, they, they supplied, I don't know for sure, but they supplied something. Praise the Lord. You know what you get to do as a member of a local church? You get to give of your time and minister to the saints. And it's a blessing. And I've really 
I've been seeing this start to play out over the last four years. Able to go, it's a blessing to go to a Bible conference and know that uh, know that we have men that love the word and study the word and are willing to step up and teach the word. That's a blessing. That supplies a need. That's called giving. Make sense? Okay. For grace you say through faith, not of yourselves, right? It's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, and we're created in who? In Christ Jesus. I know it's hard for us to get out of this mentality because we're sitting in a church building. But I want you to think of yourself in Christ because that's the essence of what the church is. Go to 1 John 5. See what we got here. I told him the church when we first got here, and uh, it was a blessing to them. They're blessing to us, and they had they had all this church voting, and they said we'll we'll, we'll consider you that as the interim preacher here, and we'll we'll give you full liberty to preach what you want. And, and uh, I said, well. Uh, how are you going to determine whether or not you want to keep me as a pastor? He said, well, we're going to vote on it. How do you feel about voting? And when I read through it, you know, it says what the typical doctrinal statement would say or the typical um, constitution say, well, it's run by the will of people, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I said, okay, fine. I, I agree to it. And I said, but just know this. If, you, if the vote comes back as yes, as a positive, that's going to be the last vote we're going to take. <laughs> Nonetheless, the vote came back as a negative. It's fine. You know why? Because there's liberty and you want to do it that way? Fine, do it that way. You don't want to do it that way? Fine, don't do it that way. You don't want to hold somebody captive to something that they don't want to do. And so, you know, it's better. You shake hands, you part hands, bid them Godspeed, and, and, and you move on. Save people, approach things differently, and if there is an agreement, what are your choices? What do you do? Option A, you shake hands and move on. Keep the friendship rather than have it fall apart if it's that much of a stronghold. Or what else can you do? You realize, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. I understand. I can concede to that. And you try to move forward that way. First John 5, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have what? Eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I have life because of the Son. You and I have eternal life because of the Son. You can be on every membership role in the, in the county and grace your presence in every church building. You can give. You can be baptized. You can vote. None of it will give you life. 
None of it has saving power, guys. There's no saving power at all. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Look at verse 23. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Submission is as unto the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. All right, we see it again. Who's the head? Christ. He is the Savior of what? The body. It's his body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. I hope I never come across as a way where you need to be subject to me. You're subject unto Christ. I want you to do what Christ tells you to do. Not what I tell you to do. He's the head. He's the savior. Not me. Therefore, as this church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. If the wives are supposed to be subject to their own husbands and everything, don't you think you, as a church member here, should be subject unto Christ, unto everything? I think so. It's a pretty clear analogy. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands are supposed to love in a way that Christ loved. He gave. So you as a member of his local church, if you want to be Christ-like, what do you do? You keep giving, giving, giving. Give of your finances. Give of your time. Give of your resources. Give of your talent. You might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy. And without blemish. You know, God's going to restore and redeem Israel. That's going to come a time. And when he does, that's going to be a great thing. Right now, it's trying to iron out all the wrinkles of his church. That's what he's trying to do. He's concerned about his church. You got wrinkles and blemishes and problems and all this. Why don't you just be subject unto Christ? And let's get that stuff worked out. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish it and cherish it, even as the Lord the church. Watch this. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We're one with Christ. Is this the church of the living God? Is it the pillar and ground of truth? My unfaithfulness, your unfaithfulness, all of that disobedience 
It's just sin and rebellion against God. And it just reveals where my loyalty is and your loyalty is. People make ball practice three, four times a week. People go to karate class two, three, four times a week. People go to work five days a week. Our loyalty to our local church is important. Other thing we get to do, get to give. Back, uh, look at Ephesians 5, look at verse nine, number 19. Watch what else we get to do. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You might call what I uh, do when I lead maybe more of a noise than joyful. But if, it, if it's unto the Lord, that, that's the whole idea in verse number 19, that our spiritual songs should be to the Lord. We get to sing. Praise the Lord. We get to give. Praise the Lord. What do we talk about this morning? We get to fellowship. We get to break bread. We get to pray. We get to evangelize. All those things we get to do as members of a local church. Right, John 17, and we'll close with this. John 17. Our relationship to Christ is by birth, the second birth. You must be born again. But our fellowship with Christ and our fellowship with a local church and fellow believers, that's based on obedience. You know, you know what God wants the world to do? He wants them to believe. Look at John 17. We'll finish off with this verse here. John 17, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, Neither pray I, this is Jesus speaking, for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the why? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know what God wants the world to see? His body, his church, united as one. Not splitting and fighting and bickering and doing all this silliness. Why? Because he wants the world to believe. And he wants the world to look at us and say, they're one. I want that. Why would somebody want to be part of a local church when all there is is fighting and bickering and splitting? It wouldn't. He wants unity in his church. Now, faithfulness to fellowship and faithfulness to local church attendance obviously will bring about more responsibility. But not only that, it brings about 
more blessings in your life than in mine. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.